Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hey YA Extra Credit. Every other week opposite the main Hey YA podcast, we'll bring you a short form podcast of YA talk across a wide range of topics. This is episode 108.5 and I'm Erica Ezefetti. Today I'd like to get into some YA novels in verse, but before I do, let's get into our sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Graphic Audio featuring Astronauts. Save up to half off at graphicaudio.net slash astronauts. Again, that's G-R-A-P-H-I-C-A-U-D-I-O dot N-E-T forward slash A-S-T-R-O-N-U-T-S. Astronauts, activate. Emergency launch, launch, launch has been triggered. Ten. Nine. Smart Hawk. Eight. All plans go. Alpha Wolf, mission leader, ready to lead. Laser Shark, supercharged and super excited. Oh no, I knew this would happen. Checking controls. Oh, and I am Stinkbug. Three, two, one, blast off. Don't miss the exciting adventures of Astronauts by John Sheska and Steven Weinberg. Graphic audio, a movie in your mind. GraphicAudio.net. And now for some novels in verse. So I've been getting into poetry more now. Well, I think it's natural if I'm getting into poetry. I'm also exploring more novels in verse. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that I haven't read too many of them before, but I'm glad that I am now at least. I think this might have stemmed from maybe like, I don't know if it's an, if I should refer to it as an intimidation of poetry or just like kind of A lack of understanding of it, maybe, is a better way to describe it. So, yeah, I really love the concise, concentrated use of language and the topics, at least for the ones I've chosen to highlight today, are really interesting. Okay, so the first one I have is called Me, Moth by Amber McBride. This is a story of a girl not quite feeling like she has a solid foundation or solid connection to those around her. And this is because ever since... Moth lost her family in an accident. She has been living with her aunt and her aunt, it's, you know, she's taking care of her. She loves her and stuff like that. But her aunt is also grieving and Moth's life is completely different from how it used to be. Before she was a talented dancer who was on her way to Juilliard. Now she doesn't dance anymore and feels like someone not quite herself. So one day she meets Sunny a boy who has similar feelings of loneliness and a general lack of feeling like connected to others. He's trying to understand where his feelings of depression are coming from. He thinks that if he can just know where he himself comes from, then he can better battle his depression. Moth wants to help him and hopefully in doing so, she'll help herself as well. The two go on a road trip to visit Sandy's father who lives on the Navajo Nation Reservation. 
On the way there, they encounter ghosts of their ancestors in the form of like generational trauma and pay homage to those that came before them and suffered, especially suffered in this, you know, North American soil. They come to see the connection between their ancestor suffering and their own current states. I love that this speaks on generational trauma. It has black traditional hoodoo in the form of moths, rootworking grandfather. It speaks on Native American spirituality as well. And of course, has very beautiful language because it's in verse. And I should say, it's not just about trauma, of course, like they're going on a road trip, there's going to be some fun times. But it is, you know, in trying to, you know, portray whole complex people, you're going to have trauma, you're gonna have trauma, you're gonna have joy, you're gonna have all that stuff. So I only want to say that because I know myself, like in reading black stories, as a black person, I don't always want to see trauma. So I'm just assuming, you know, everyone else is kind of on the same page at times with that, even though it is important to talk about it, of course. So since we are talking about verse and poetry and stuff today, I wanted to read some excerpts from the selections I've made. And so this one is from a chapter called Almost Summer Again. Two summers ago, our car broke in half like a candy bar on the freeway and we all spilled onto the pavement as crumbly as sticky caramel peanut filling. I broke three ribs and my stomach tore. I fractured a leg and was gifted a scar as crisp as the tip of a whip from jaw to eye that I trace most in summer when the sun rays make it feel so chapped and I have to smooth Vaseline over it daily. It was the start of summer. We, mom, dad, brother, and me left New York to visit Aunt Jack in Northern Virginia. Before we broke in half, we were merging. All of our beaten bodies made it to the haunted hospital, overrun with figures in white, smelling like formaldehyde and alcohol wipes. Aunt Jack prayed and prayed and bit her nails, beds, ruddy. But there is only so much prayer, and if God takes sacrifices, only so much blood to offer. That day, there was only enough prayer and blood for one of us to walk out. So again, that is Me Moth by Amber McBride. The next one I have is called A Time to Dance by Padma Venkatraman. So this is another book about a teenage girl who loves to dance, but her passion is interrupted by yet another tragic accident. I promise I did not choose that on purpose. That is a total coincidence. But in this one, though, Vida is a classical Indian dance prodigy and is just fully immersed in the dancing world. So because of this, that detail makes it especially devastating when she's in the the really horrible accident and she has to get a below-knee amputation. So in addition to having to relearn how to move her body in its new form, she faces rejection where she once got accolades and approval and praise and all of that. Her dance teacher kicks her out of his class and she starts to relearn dance by taking beginner classes with much younger students. So she goes on to meet Govinda, who is a different kind of dancer because he finds his inspiration for the art form in spirituality. So he dances to get a spiritual connection. Her connection to him has her reevaluating what dance means to her and the place both she and it have in the world. So this is a wonderful look at classical 
Indian dance as well as India just as a country. And I think it is also a great book about disability. And it's not one of those that's like, look at this poor disabled person. Aren't they so inspiring? They're inspiring me and I'm not disabled. You know, all of that malarkey. Based on what I've read from people who have had limbs amputated, it does a pretty good job of rep- representing the day-to-day experience. Um, here's an example of what I mean from the chapter called Red Dot that describes phantom pain. This is not the entire chapter I'm reading, but just an excerpt. My phantom comes alive beneath my right knee, nail scratch at invisible skin. I bite down, sweat beads on my lips, I bolt upright and grip my residual limb. This is all I have. My pain is an illusion. I will not give in. So again, the book is called A Time to Dance by Padma Venkatraman. The last one I have is A Home is Not a Country by Safia Alhilo. And this book is (laughs) based on these choices. I promise I'm not like sad or anything, y'all. Um, this is kind of another, well, I would say it's got some rough subjects in it as well, but it also has joy too. So this novel is about perpetually feeling like a misunderstood outsider. So 14-year-old Nima is from a working class immigrant and Muslim family is being and is being raised by her single mother. She still likes to revel in things from the homeland they left, like songs in Arabic, which she likes to revisit on old cassette tapes. There are also some old pictures of her that she uses to help her feel more connected to her parents, her home country, just to something. She's just trying to kind of latch on to something to make herself feel more grounded. Her friend Haitham is one of the few people she feels herself around, and his and her worlds are both rocked one day when he's brutally attacked in an Islamophobic hate crime. He's very badly beaten and has to have a lengthy hospital stay as a result. So in addition to Haytham's attack, Nima has also recently found out more about her absent father. And normally this might be a good thing, but the revelation drives an even bigger wedge between her and her mother. So this book has a touch of magic, music, and an exploration of the lives of immigrant women and their daughters. And I like how I'm just kind of realizing this as I'm discussing it, but all three of these books, they're all by women of color, which was not on purpose, but you know, I'm not mad at it. (laughs) And it's just interesting how they take into account music and the magic and the mystery of life. It's all interwoven. Like music is a part of the everyday life. You have two of these books are about dancers and spirituality is important. The religion, the gods, and, you know, mythology of your ancestors is important in all three of these books. And it's just something I've noticed when I read things by people of color, I feel. In the last um, full-length episode, we were talking about found family, and one of my choices for that was Ray Bearer by Jordan Ifueco. And I really loved in that how she incorporated drums and how drums were used as messages, which they were in West Africa traditionally. And it just made everything, it just tied everything together really nicely and made everything just like that much. It just made the story much more immersive. So just something I thought I'd I'd point out because all of those things together, the music, the language, 
you know, those different aspects of, of cultural identity and cultural practice, they come together really nicely, I think, to make the story more immersive. So, of course, I have an excerpt from this as well. It is from the chapter or poem called The Airport. My mother's faltering voice, the soft music in her English, her welling eyes, her wilting face, her beaded scarf, and all she said was, please, please, I have a ticket, and I never seen her so small, English fleeing her mouth and leaving her faltering, frozen, reaching for words that would not come, dabbing at her eyes with a scarf, its red so bright, so festive, like it was mocking us. So again, that is Home is Not a Country by Safia Elhilo. Thanks so much for tuning in today, as well as our sponsor for making this day's show possible. You can follow me on Twitter, where I am only very occasionally. <laughs> but still, you can follow me on Twitter. It's My Twitter handle is at Erica underscore E-Z-E underscore Erica e is E-R-I-C-A. Big shout out to Jen Zink, our audio engineer, for making us sound crisp and professional and lovely. We will see you next week on the main podcast where I will be joined by Tears of Price. So looking forward to that. All right. Until next week. Happy reading. <laughs>